I'm Terry. This project is going by the working title of Jetlag. You can find articles, essays, and podcasts on jetlag.substack.com. This interview is with Andrew Callahan of Channel 5. This interview took place prior to his trip to Ukraine. You can find Andrew's work on his YouTube channel, Channel 5. In all the places, in all the spaces, I've run into Andrew Callahan of Channel 5. We're here. <laughs> in Moxie Hotel Lobby, Berlin. Berlin. Okay. This very uh, youth-forward hotel. Got a Certainly. lot of different things going on. Like the European Ace Hotel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They have one of these in Minneapolis that I stayed in one time. I think Moxie's an American chain, but it's kind of sick. Yeah, it's uh, one of the Marriott brands. Is it really connected to the Marriott? Yeah. Do you have a point system set up through a Substack? No, no, I should though. Yeah, I should. I just started getting the point system set up for like Hilton and Marriott, and it's really paying off over time. Yeah, nice. They treat you like a king. Let's so, what what brings you out to Berlin? Well, um, I'm going to Ukraine, or mostly to the Poland-Ukraine border, in a few days, and then I'm going to go into Ukraine, mostly to Lviv, maybe to Kiev, and I have this fixer. This dude, his name's Jake. He runs a page called Popular Front. He's like an independent journalist from the UK. He's setting me up with a translator and like an armed bodyguard to go from the uh, Poland-Ukraine border into Ukraine. But I, don't, I can't get that set up for a week, so I had to fly somewhere like before then to chill for a bit. And I love Berlin. I, I used to live here when I was 18 for the summer, so I decided to come back. And I'm looking for an RV to buy right now. So that I'm just going to – because I, I live in an RV in America, and I want to do it out here because I see those RVs everywhere on the streets. I didn't realize that you could have an RV in Europe. I thought the streets were all narrow and stuff, but it's possible. Berlin is uh – a really fantastic city so far. Oh, it's dude, epic, dude. It's really nice. Good luck on finding an RV. Yeah. I don't know how popping they are outside of the U.S. Popping, I guess, because Volkswagen has a plant here and they pump out a bunch of like RVs. I've never even seen a Volkswagen RV before because most of them in America are like Coachman or Ford or Chevy brand. But out here, there's VW RVs from the 90s that go for like 15,000 euros. Sick. Yeah, but they're mostly manual, so I got to learn to drive a stick shift. Oh, hell yeah. It's yeah. pretty easy. You know uh, how to do it? So how would you describe the work that you do? Would you say that you're like a cultural anthropologist, a journalist? Or- yeah, somewhere between journalism and anthropology because mostly what I do is I just like go to events while they're at their peak and catch like the surface level and then try to go deeper. Whereas I feel like a journalist is more investigative, whereas my reporting is mostly like on-site so I guess it could be like Vox Pop I read online once, or Gonzo Journalism, but it's somewhere between like journalism and comedy, just trying to create an own, my own lane. But the reason I'm here in Europe and going to Ukraine is I want to do more serious journalism Yeah, take myself out of meme territory and do some different stuff. You've been doing uh, a lot of a variety of work, especially since summer of 2020 with yeah. the uh, protesting going on across the U.S. Mm-hmm. How has that impacted your work so far? Well, that the protest coverage was like the transition point where I decided, okay, I can leave the world of comedy reporting and I can actually cover things that I think have value. And especially because the mainstream news media was ignoring the voices of the protesters, particularly in Portland and Minneapolis. And I'm pretty sure the same thing's probably happening in Ukraine because it's so divided. So the news media machine with two competing countries, Russia and America, both of which have corrupt media systems. It's just true. I mean, obviously Russia is more totalitarian, so there's more limiting of free speech online, but America's not that far off. You know, you, America doesn't have full free speech. So, um, I'm curious to see what it's actually like there. You yeah, know? certainly. Because the craziest thing to me is how Putin is making it. His, his justification for uh, invading Ukraine is denazification. 
when in reality the main group of Nazis there is this group Azov Battalion, and there's only a couple thousand of them. So it's basically the same logic as um, a foreign power invading America after the Capitol riot and being like, the Proud Boys just tried to take the Capitol. We have to invade America to denazify it. But I, I noticed a lot of like uh, people in, in American like liberal media want to like ignore the fact that there is like a bunch of Nazis in Ukraine, and then Eastern Bloc media wants to exaggerate it. So I think what Channel 5 tries to do, because we don't have an agenda really, is to cut between the nuance and see what's actually going on there. Because I know that there's, I'm going to like an anarchist uh, soup kitchen in Poland in a few days. Like pretty much like every group in Ukraine, fascists, anarchists, centrist liberals, Republicans, whatever you call it there, are all working together to like resist the Russian invasion. And it's really crazy because I met this girl out here from Russia. She's kind of like trendy or like she has like a bunch of tattoos, like a bunch of fashion stuff. She was saying that she posted some shit on Instagram where she was like, Putin's an evil dictator, free Ukraine. And her cool homies back home started like canceling her and being like, oh my God, she's brainwashed by like Western liberals. And now she can't even go back to her hometown of St. Petersburg, Russia, because she's been ousted from her community for condemning Putin. So like, it's crazy. Like Putin, it seems like he's like basically take like he's, he knows the youth is anti-fascist everywhere basically so he's straight up like making all russians believe that ukraine is like a nazi holdout that's interesting yeah and you hope by going in you can shed a little bit more light yeah on- i want to find the small minority of nazis who are being, being given so much coverage and just show the reality of that like i did in america like during the during a lot of that period of time like i did with the proud boys i almost feel like i helped to like show people just what a small minority these people were and how much media coverage they're getting. And it's little shots like you see one you know, far-right person posing with an assault rifle, and you pan over and there's 45 journalists getting that photo, and that photo is going to end up on the front page of every newspaper in every continent. And the whole world's going to think that that's what's going on. Yeah. So I'm, I don't really know what to expect, but I'm kind of scared because I don't want to die. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. It's, a, it's a horrifying prospect, honestly. Yeah. And it's, it's a unique challenge because, uh, A, not being able to speak the language. Right. Uh, it's similar to when you have journalists that were going over to, like, Iraq and Afghanistan in the mm-hmm. early 2000s. Um, except, I mean, like, honestly, the combatants here, the situation's a little bit different because yeah. everybody's white, right? Yeah, it's, that's why it's, I think it's a good place for me to start. Yeah, absolutely. You know, because at the end of the day, you know, this being a European conflict... I feel like I have, you know, a, a better ability to cover it, you know, just because, you know, it's so close to westernized first world countries that the fact that I can go to Poland and which is a completely first world country with advanced infrastructure and immediately cross the border into an active war zone is crazy. And I think it hits closer to home because, you know, when there was wars going on in the Middle East back in the day, I think as Americans, it was easy to kind of be like, oh, whatever, like, it's so far from us, like, there's so many buffer countries that we would never go to, like, when, oh, there's things happening in Saudi Arabia, most Americans don't even have a visual idea of what Saudi Arabia looks like, or even Islamic society, but now that Ukraine is so close to these countries that we feel matter, geopolitically, and obviously racially, it's a huge part, so it's interesting, because I I now can go there to cover it. What do you think of the coverage so far, uh, just kind of going back to the corrupt media and how they've been depicting uh, the conflict. But what do you think the take is so far uh, racially and how, how socioeconomically these things yeah. play into the coverage? Well, I do know that like the black refugees were being like given like bad treatment on the way out of Ukraine, you know, and a lot of them couldn't leave and were being denied entry to places like Poland and the Ukrainian border people on the Ukrainian side were like, yo, stay here. Like we got to prioritize like 
native Ukrainians to native white Ukrainians to come into the border country. I mean, I guess we'll just see. I don't really know yet. Like, I don't, I do think that like the civilian journalism angle has made it a lot more digestible than other wars. And I think that's like the future is like most of the stuff I've seen from Ukraine is people's cell phone footage who are there. So that makes it a lot better. Whereas I feel like with the Iraq war, it was like people probably didn't have smartphones to broadcast what they were doing. Cause if they did, the footage would shock us. I mean, imagine if Iraqis were able to like document American war crimes with their iPhone. Yeah. So it almost places like a higher, the stakes are higher cause you can't really fuck around and do work like war crime. Like you could at one point. Because yeah. everyone can just document it. Like, look at what these people are doing. You know, I've seen videos of Russians like gunning down Ukrainian civilians. You know, and that would have never been communicated if it wasn't for the ability for smartphone and live streaming and those that kind of stuff. Telegram, yeah, VPNs. That's uh, that goes to something that would be considered like fog of war in those areas where you hear rumors of things that have happened, but you were never able to see them in the past. But now right. you can. Like an example of this is when I saw somebody had told me about like. A Russian soldier veering in a tank, veering out of their way to run over a civilian mm-hmm. in Ukraine, and I was just like, typically, I'm I'm skeptical of that sort of stuff because like it could be footage from any point in time, anywhere, yeah. and it was verified by a few people, at least journalists that I trust online. Yeah, and I was like, I watched the video and it was insane. Yeah, and having access to that stuff, at least now, kind of. Uh, puts war in sharp relief for people right. like Americans mm-hmm. who we're completely divorced from it. The last conflicts uh, on our side of the hemisphere were all in South America. Yeah. And then we export all of our war and all of our violence mm-hmm. to the other part of the world where uh, it's easy for the media. Like one journalist, uh, I remember on CNN, I think it said, this is uncommon for more civilized places in the world. Yeah. And I was like, well, what does that mean? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like where there aren't brown people, like yeah, what the fuck? It's where, civilized. It's, it, if anything, it's less civilized now because the U S has been bombing it for the last 20 yeah. years or whatever. For sure. But like when you're bombed back into the stone age, you don't really have that option. Yeah. What are you supposed to do? Yeah. That's the whole shit, man. I mean, the thing is when I'm, when I go out there, I don't want to make like war porn. You know, I'm not trying to have like some self-centered like hero narrative of like, look at me, courageous American white journalist going to Ukraine and like dodging Russian missiles. I'm trying to focus on the refugee situation and uh, how I can help, what stories to amplify and be choice about that. Yeah. Because every journalist right that right there right now is over there trying to get the goriest photo they can, and there is a place for that sort of type of photography and videography for frontline conflict journalism. But that's not my place. Yeah, I don't need to be there. People don't even want to see me there. You know, it's it's interesting. What do you think? Go, going back to the idea that people don't want to see you there, what do you think the reception has been towards your more serious work? Very positive because it's more like I, I treat every person who participates in any movement as equally valuable to the other people. Like I'm not concerned with like finding top officials or like having sit downs with organizers because they they're just media trained. It's not going to be as from the heart and off the cuff as somebody who was just out there. Like if I was in Ukraine, I would just talk to like a kid my age who's just like chilling, like trying to figure out what to do next. Like you know, like or like you know, who runs like this one guy runs like a vintage T-shirt shop in like downtown Kiev, and he's like, "Fuck, what do I do?" You know, or just like a family who's like, "Where do we go next?" As opposed to like the president or the you know interior ministry guy. I, I just you know, that's what a lot of the press misses. Yeah, you just got to like really think about who you talk to. So I guess we'll see. I mean, there's been some great journalism. That's what I want to do. Yeah. I think honestly, you're doing some of the most important work online. Thanks bro. It's, it's really impressive to see, um, you contrasted against other, 
uh, independent journalist, somebody like yeah. uh, Tim Pool, uh, <laughs> where, where yeah. like he he has this whole uh, appeal to a, a section of people. I don't really watch any of his content because yeah. his his days of journalism, at least to me, are, are long gone. Yeah, he used to do some cool shit for Vice, right? Yeah, yeah, back in the day, and then he was also big uh, during the Occupy Wall Street movement. Yeah, he. Um, he was doing like honestly like kind of important work back then. It just I don't know maybe he yeah. was an idiot the whole time and just lucked into it. Well, I think that like you know right wing cabal conspiracies have kind of consumed a lot of the Occupy crowd because the idea of the one percent being like an elite cabal of people controlling the world in reality that's corporate America, you know, which is what Occupy touched into but or tapped into. But with the Trump crowd, that's like Democrats who like drink children's blood. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and it's sad because they, you know, they really were able to divert what could have been a legitimate labor struggle, class struggle, and just uh, probably with Russian propaganda, honestly, infiltrated via social media. And now you have dudes who think they're free speech warriors, and the only thing they can't say is like, "COVID is bullshit." You know, yeah. it's like, "Thank you for the free speech war, dude." Like, "Thank you, Tim Pool. You're really fucking breaking into something." <laughs> I just don't understand. Like, there's so much to say, and you're just saying something that's not true, hella times, and everyone's like, "Stop saying that." You're like, oh, what? Did I, am I over the target? It's like, nah, Ooh, bro, you're just being hella annoying. I'm being annoying. censored. Yeah. Oh, I'm being canceled. Look at me. Yeah, it's almost like, ah, it's just crazy. So these people dedicate all their time to going after Antifa and going after, you know, like, when somebody associated with the Black Lives Matter movement buys a house for themselves, they're like, oh, look at the hero of the proletariat has a fucking, like, two, like, they say $2 million house. Like, that means shit in California. You know? And then, like, and then when, it, then some insane shit will happen on the right wing and just blind eyes to it. Yeah. You know, it's too bad. I, I think a lot of these guys are smart people. I think they're just fed up with the wrong shit. I mean, smart enough to know where their money's coming from, smart right? Smart talking. Yeah. yeah. Like, the, yeah. I would say, like, people like uh, Dave Rubin, uh, Jimmy Dore, uh, even Steven Crowder, to some extent, are well-practiced at what they do. Yeah. Tucker Carlson. They're all good Genius. at what they do, right? And they, they know what messaging to use, mm-hmm. and they know that they can soft pivot on issues yeah. uh, without their audience batting an eye. Yeah. Because to them, the audience uh, largely can't... Uh, distinguish between like if i'm saying the sky is blue versus uh peri no that's not a shade of blue but like blue versus baby blue you know what i mean in the mind of the audience baby blue is the same as blue yeah although there's a difference there navy blue baby blue whatever aquamarine these things the audience doesn't care they don't know it's just nice to hear somebody agree with them yeah and at the end of the day they just don't they don't really care, right? The, yeah. the object of the game isn't to fix the issue. It's to have your whatever issue you have repeated back to you by somebody yeah. just as mad. It's a validation cycle. And that's why, you know, with misinformation, why it's so dangerous. And I, I'm not like one of these fucking like ultra blue pill dudes who's like censor misinformation. But, you know, it, you see with the growth of One American News Network and Epoch Times and like actual like disinformation empires – they fill the void whenever uh, people like Tucker make a soft pivot. Like during the 2020 Stop the Steal movement, when Tucker Carlson was like, Sidney Powell didn't present any evidence that the election was stolen, one American news network rushes to fill that void. So when people have pride in something that they believe in, they're just going to find pundits who just like agree with what they're saying, what you're talking about. But Tucker's a fucking genius because he is a rich kid from San Francisco. Yeah. He's been, every time yeah. he goes on those populism rants, every time, oh. he's just like, it's the rich people in Hollywood that don't care about. And it's like, like dog, you have a fortune. What is yeah. it, Swanson's or some shit like that? I don't that? even know. I, I just know that he is emblematic of like the California 1% power structure. But even Trump, rich businessman from Queens. 
and these who owned half of Manhattan basically. And they convinced working class blue collar Americans that they're these heroes of the people. It's fucking insane. I don't know, especially Tucker. I'm like, dude, you were you used to wear a bow tie, bro. You know what I mean? A bow tie over when you're talking about the cabal censoring shit. It's just depressing because he's you know these people have blood on their hands. One hundred. Think about the shit that they like. Imagine how many people like didn't get the vaccine because Tucker Carlson said it was going to kill you and then died. I'd venture to say it's like tens of thousands of people, if not more. But it doesn't matter. There's no accountability. But who cares? Because the country's going to fuck destroy itself anyway. Yeah. I mean, not to be all like black pilled and dark, but <laughs> at some point you just got to let go and just accept just the lunacy that is America and just, just let it roll. Because yeah. you know you can you can change certain people's minds and you can have an effect. Like I, I like to think that I have an effect on the people who watch my show. But you know I only have a couple million followers. It's a lot. But the, there's more people in the country, and you know I'm not going to be able to reach everybody. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it, it's going downhill. But it doesn't mean your life has to go downhill. That's what I always tell people. Just because shit's going south in your country doesn't mean your life has to go south. A lot of people put those two stakes together. You know, oh, America's more divided than ever. It's like, okay, just ignore it. It's okay. Because it's not like the part, the, nothing is really changing. The redlining still exists. The inequality is still the same. Ideological division doesn't really affect people's bottom line. It just, you can't let it like penetrate your fucking like, circle. A lot of people are so mad about politics, but their life isn't even really being affected. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's something to it though, right? Like in the same way that my life isn't going to be affected by any of the abortion bans in like the middle of the country. Yeah. Like I still give a shit about it, but yeah, I'm not saying don't care. I'm I'm saying people's ideological division. You should care about elections and who's in charge, but I'm talking about just the public's alienation from the fringes and to the center. Yeah. Gotcha. Liberals who like live in like downtown San Francisco and downtown Seattle and make like $500,000 a year with like, you know, black lives matter signs in their yards who are actively displacing people. You know, they don't, they're not thinking about that. They're just thinking about how they look. And it's the same shit with Republicans who wear MAGA hats. They could be in the worst state of their life, you know, but it's that group cohesion. Yeah. It's the signaling to other people that I'm like you. I'm one of you. Exactly. Uh, Treat me well. In, in that way, it's really effective, like being able to identify with another group of people just just about anything. Right. Like it doesn't I I would probably venture to guess that a lot of people who are into QAnon mm. aren't so much into the conspiracies as much they, as they are into the community. Yeah. Just being a part of a community. It's fun. I mean, they have a whole mythology, you know, it, connections. It's whole social world. Yeah. You know, QAnon is like investigative. It's like puzzle pieces. They, they put them together and it's pretty scary. Yeah, the the ARG aspect of it has been really interesting, mm. especially when it's like the Q drops coming from 8chan. Like, what does this mean? Yeah, I wonder and, if we'll ever know who it was. Uh, th- there's a little bit of speculation that it was a dude who owned 8chan. Yeah, uh, are you no. familiar with Robert Evans? Yeah. Uh, so I listened to his whole thing about 8chan and like mm. some of the QAnon coverage. And like he seems like a pretty reasonable dude, although I have no basis to base my opinion on mm. what he says. It's just uh, it seems reasonable that the guy who owns this company would rather keep uh, money rolling in by way right. of these conspiracy nuts. Well, I guess the second part of that question would be, who do you think he was coordinating with on Trump's team? You think it was Michael Flynn? Probably Bannon. 
Bannon? Yeah, yeah. Bannon's fucking evil motherfucker, <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. He would do some shit like that. Dog. You ever read a Q-Drop? You ever see how actually dumb it is? Uh, yeah, it's just like line breaks. It's like yeah. hardly sentences with a yeah. line break. It's like the color red. What does that mean? Or the like, color blue. Whose shoes are these? Yeah, or like a YouTube link to the Last of the Mohicans theme song that says like, <laughs> Patriots stand tall. That's, that was the last post and a gif of an American flag above it. Oh, jeez. Everyone's like, you know, listen to the lyrics of that song. I'm like, damn. <laughs> it's like if that psyop worked, think about what they could do next. Yeah, for real. Because that was pretty low, low effort. He was pretty low effort. Whoever designed it, like, it's really bad. It's yeah. Like typos in the whole thing. It was like a middle school project, <laughs> but it just got distributed in the right. Imagine if they do some, you know, next level shit. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, what I think one of the things that somebody always points out inevitably is like Trump was just a test run. Well, yeah, sure, whatever. It, that's how iterative life is, right? Something bad happens, and then somebody works on making that better and better and better mm-hmm. until it's a finalized product. Same with QAnon. Somebody's actually yeah. going to take that. Maybe not now. Maybe in 10, 15 years, they're going to work on it and construct something better that makes more sense. Yeah. And like the coincidences will be stacked on one another in a way that it looks true yeah. like us running into each other yeah. here in this hotel well how did that happen yeah you know we coordinated with the deep state to make mm-hmm. sure that the adrenochrome conference at yeah. Burgine is going to go off well <laughs> that would be the place where it's happening <laughs> it's definitely a harvesting facility but it's just they take one true thing like for example like jeffrey epstein yes he was trafficking underage girls 15 16 17 year old girls they take that's true and then they say he was also eating babies <laughs> You know what I mean? They just take yeah. that level. It's like, yeah, the dude was a pedophile, but he wasn't fucking eating babies. <laughs> so they take one thing and they just go to the next level and you're like, oh, well, I mean, he is a pedophile. Babies are also kids. They're also <laughs> underage. He had sex with kids. He's probably also eating them. And so it's not you just follow it a couple steps logically beyond, or maybe say, you know, Antifa is like ISIS. Yeah. Similar thing. It's like they wear black and they burn some shit sometimes. Yeah. ISIS does too. And they kill people. Yeah, it's just, it's so fucking crazy. And so it's just that the breadcrumbs, yeah, ah, man, it's, it's nuts. They think Epstein is the key to everything. Every uh, person, they think he hangs, he was cool with everybody. Yeah. It's like, yeah. He, he was cool with a lot of people. I'm sure that there's more people who he was cool with that we don't even know about. But like, it's just, they take that and it's like all encompassing. I mean, imagine if you did that the reverse way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Somebody is sitting at home at the day that Epstein died. They just were like, Whoa. Yeah. oh God, thank God my name wasn't released. I wasn't in those flight records. I know, dude. There's probably so many people, dude. <laughs> uh, so with, the, with your work, if you were to quit today, what do you think the lasting impact of your work would be? Hopefully just making people explore America more, making America's youth more interested in like domestic travel, domestic exploration, turn inward, learn stuff about America. I mean, I love Berlin, and I love traveling elsewhere, but I feel like a lot of America's youth super regionally isolated and they don't take the time to consider the insane diversity ideologically mostly of their like home country you know i didn't know america was like 50 countries in one until i got an rv that would be the impact you know less so about inspiring journalists as opposed to just i try to think more specifically like get an rv travel around the u.s document whatever you want what have been some of your um favorite experiences more most formative experiences traveling across the u.s probably like living in nevada in the rv like in 2019 when i first got the rv when i was fresh out of college just like living in like the vegas desert doing interviews going to casinos and talking to people until like six in the morning 
the desert is just really like a, a, a really spiritual place. That's such a dumbass word, but like <laughs> you know, it's very like it, it stimulates a certain part of your mind that I think creates a lot of ideas. Just like the air, you can't hear anything. I don't, there's something weird about the desert for me. Okay, that's interesting. It, it, the desert open, especially in the Nevada desert, particularly because it's more like an outlaw desert, whereas Utah is kind of like a square desert. You know what yeah. I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And Arizona's yeah. like a Republican ass desert. And New Mexico's just freezing. Nevada <laughs> and California is just like, you know, the Palm Springs yuppie shit is just too much. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah, Nevada, dude, like crazy shit. Damn. Well, thank you for uh, sitting and talking to me, bro. I yeah, appreciate you. I can't believe I ran into a, a fellow American journalist. Yeah. Well, let's well, essay us for now. Essay. Let's, oh, shit. Yeah. So you have some long form thoughts. Yeah, yeah. Writing, uh, writing some dumb shit. What are you writing right now? Uh, so I'm working on a book about my hometown, San Diego. Okay. And the current piece that I'm working on is a, an essay about Tijuana. Oh, I fucking love TJ, dude. TJ is so sick. It's so sick. What's your I, favorite thing to do in TJ? Don't lie. Uh, honestly, like, I really fuck with getting drunk, man. I love drinking. <laughs> okay, I'm glad you said that. People are always like, I love the food. I'm like, you do? Yeah. <laughs> What's your favorite bar in TJ? Uh, so there was one that we went to, it was called, it was like, I can't remember it. Was it a Chinese restaurant? No, no. It was, uh, it was somewhere outside of, um, outside of downtown. And it's just like, they were inspired by, uh, Jay and Tony's Negroni spot in San Diego. And they're like trying to be like an upscale bar that serves like craft cocktails and all sorts of stuff. And I think it was Aruba. Aruba, Aruba Day Drink. I'm, you do remember when you were in college and w- one kid found out about mixology for the first time? Oh, yeah. And they started making cocktails and they were like shitty, but you were just like, hey, you're on your way. Oh, no, for sure. That's how I feel about this bar. Yeah, we have a video coming out soon in Tijuana. Nice. It's called Reverse Border Crisis. Okay. It's about, <laughs> it's about American sex tourists who are like, it's so free here. Oh, so we sick. went down to, like, outside in the alley behind Hong Kong and just interviewed these like fucking gnarly ass, like <laughs> fat ass North Dakota dudes who, who were like, I love Mexico. We were like, you fucking oh, come shit. down here, do whatever you want. And we're just like, it was so funny. We sent our homie uh, from LA down who's like Mexican and he speaks both languages and he yeah. had like the Channel 5 suit on, bro. Hell it's going to yeah. come out soon. That's a crazy place, Tijuana. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I'm trying to get a hold of some journalists uh, that I can interview. Because, like, from being from San Diego, really the only shit you hear is just, like, you can fuck down there or you can get shot down there. Yeah. And, like, it's I'm a beautiful to, city, though. It's more than just the brothels and the cartels. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I'm trying to flesh that out in the essay that I'm working on. Wait, now's the time because it's safer than ever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was down there about a month ago. It was, uh, it was sick. It was yeah. a super sick spot. Um, or it was a sick time. There's this restaurant called uh, Casa Tijuana Project. Yeah. And that, it's like a, a home that they made like a really sick kitchen out of. Okay, And cool. the food there is so dope. I'll have to peep it. Casa yeah. Tijuana Project. Yeah, it's sick. It's so funny when Americans like talk shit about TJ being like a drug cartel spot. It's like they're bringing coke for y'all. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's like, oh, dude, the border's fucking gnarly. It's like, because you do coke in America. You know what I mean? It's like, why do you think it's like that? They're like, yeah. you think that's just how they are. Right, Tijuana people are just obsessed with fucking violence and drugs. Like, nah, dude, it's a market. You just like, you wake up as a child yeah. and you have to go to your drug violence classes yeah. at school. Sicario training. <laughs> I feel like Chula Vista is sketchier than Tijuana. Yeah, in some areas, Chula is fucking crazy. That one long ass like 
Blade Strip. Third Street. Yeah, dude, yeah. it's pretty fun. I went to a fish concert there to do some interviews. Hell and we yeah. kicked it, like, walking around Chula Vista all night, and it was crazy. Like, yeah. fools doing donuts at the intersections. Like, it gets wild. People smoking meth in public. <laughs> Especially considering there's, like, a police station that's on the other side of Third. Like, the main drag where, like, all the breweries and, like, where it's starting to get gentrified. But, like, You're if doing you go, that to Chula Vista? Yeah, dude. Check out Third Street. I don't know if they were gentrifying Chula Vista. They'll, they'll gentrify anything nowadays, yeah. bro. They're, they're, yeah. they're without limits. Yeah. Certain shit, I'm like, just leave it alone. Yeah, just let it be. They're trying yeah. to, there's this uh, neighborhood called Barrio Logan in San Diego mm-hmm. that they're trying their fucking hardest to gentrify, dog. Mm-hmm. And they're going to get there eventually yeah. because, like, I mean, money trumps all, right? You fucking yeah. buy out a bunch of houses and then you build up an apartment complex, a little four story joint, yeah. and raise the price to the point where nobody can afford it. Yeah. Even like spots like National City, where it, for a long time, these were like, there was a, a notion in San Diego, uh, at least among the white residents, that like you don't go below the eight because it's dangerous, like the eight yeah. freeway uh, or the Interstate Eight for mm. people who don't live That's in California. That's where NC starts, right? Pretty much. Huh? That's where National City starts. Yeah, okay. yeah, just about. It's a it's a little bit further south than that. Yeah, but like it's right around there. And there there are portions of the city where you basically are told like just don't go there because it's dangerous. But yeah. like when you go out there, it's just fucking brown people. Yeah, like I mean, there were genuinely dangerous spots like El Cajon Boulevard used to be like real rough and tumble back in yeah. the day because like there were a bunch of prostitutes walking up and down and like dudes getting real violent with them and like yeah, things yeah, like yeah, that. that. Type of shit. But like. Aside from that, they're just like black and brown people. Yeah, that live and that's like the that's really dangerous. Of, yeah, you know, right. The concept of danger is really fucking stupid. Like whenever someone says danger, who's never been somewhere, I was like, what do you think is going to happen? Like when like it's a shooting gallery down, I'm like, bro, it's oppressed areas, so they have beef with each other, not you. You know, I was like, oh, if yeah. you go through, you're going to get shot. I was like, they don't just shoot civilians for fun. <laughs> There's like no concept. They read the murder rate and they think that like it's just all like serial killers down there. <laughs> Tourists go in but don't come out. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, that could happen to you and TJ for sure. Yeah. But, I mean, if you go to the wrong spot. Oh, it's just people are just so dumb down in Mexico. I'm white American specifically. Yeah. They just think that anything goes. Yeah. Meanwhile, it's like Mexicans are smart, bro. Especially on the border. Like they can sense like a. A mark from a mile away. Victim. Yeah. That's one says. Yeah. Not that all victims of, you know, robberies in Mexico deserve it. But I would say probably two thirds do. <laughs> you know? like, so. There was this really interesting story that um, one of the homies who. Uh, is a bartender now, but she used to be like a private investigator mm. for like lawyers and shit. So they would contract her yeah. and she dealt a lot with border crime. And a lot of people who get popped are people who just don't know they're carrying, yeah. right? Like one cat used to live in Tijuana. He was a white dude who would drive back and forth. He worked at like an Amazon facility and it's pretty easy to just get an apartment in TJ if you're from America. So the cartel got onto him wow. and they were just like, they, what they do is if they see a pattern, like you follow a certain pattern, like you get home at a certain time, uh, you leave at a certain time, this sort of stuff, they'll follow you and see what your routine is like. Yeah. And because he worked at an Amazon shipping center, uh, he worked overnight as well. They followed him and found out that, like, yo, this is number one. Yeah. And so they have these magnetized uh, GPS packs that they'll Holy attach shit. to the bottom of your car and fill it with drugs. And they'll call somebody and say, track this package and go pick it up. That's genius. Yeah, it's, it's pretty smart. Did your homie get popped or he got through every time? Uh, so he got popped. Oh, but, God. He must have been so confused, bro. Yeah. Like he a was kilo horrified. of blow in his fucking like, chassis. Yeah, just like on the underside of his car. <laughs> and that's why they 
check the underside of the car with the mirrors. Yeah. And uh, the homegirl who's the uh, detective was just like, yeah, we were able to get them off mostly because uh, at the parking lot of the Amazon facility, they don't have any security there. Yeah. And I was able to prove it by sitting there all night and proving that security doesn't walk through that lot. Otherwise, yeah. that case, he might have lost it and gone to prison for the Damn. rest of his fucking life. But your homie's good now. Yeah, okay, yeah. good. Yeah. I was going to say, don't, I was going to say free him, but that's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, thanks. Thanks a ton for oh, chatting, yeah, for bro. Sure, bro. I appreciate it. Uh, and so a good one. Good luck in Ukraine, man. Thanks, that's uh, going to be really fucking gnarly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hey, this has yeah. been Terry and I've been yeah. here with Andrew. Shout out to Terry. <laughs> really appreciate you talking, bro. Yeah, for sure, man. Right, peace. <laughs>